So, as you guys know, I've started this podcast uh, with that episode on critiques. How anything that's above critique quickly becomes evil. And so that's kind of what this uh, this is about. This whole podcast is just kind of saying, hey, there's some things that we need to look at maybe a little bit more seriously or differently. And today, uh, my I feel differently. I feel... Well, not that I'm not critiquing, but I'm saying it it doesn't feel like it's just about critiques. It's about trying to find wholeness. It's about putting things together as well as um, the deconstructing that that the other podcasts are about. So it's uh, really just for one of my good friends. Hopefully we'll have her on the podcast at some point in the future. But that's who this is for. If you guys benefit from it, then that's awesome. Hey everybody, it's lunchtime. I uh, wanted to maybe record a couple thoughts now just because having an interesting and good conversation with one of my good friends about um, God being bigger uh, than, than Mormonism and how so often we feel like we owe something to the church because of the good things that we've learned from it in the past. And so those are kind of two thoughts, but I I wanted to um, start talking about it now so I could just get it out and, you know, I I might pick up later or maybe I'll finish by the time I I get done with work. I don't know. But I do think it's interesting. Um, You know, let's, let's start with this. We like to think as Mormons that we know everything about God. And Mormons will deny and say, well, no, we don't know everything. But but what they really mean is, you know, we know everything we can know. There's no one else that can teach us anything about God. Um, and all the things that we can know about God in this life, we know. One day we'll know more when we see God again or, or what have you. And I think that's just such an insulting <laughs> and prideful way to view your religion, your spirituality, whatever you'd like to call it, to think that, you know, Mormons, there's 16 million Mormons. At best, there's 8 per eight million active Mormons. The world has 7-something billion people, which means it's like a percentage of 0.06% or something along those lines of active Mormons on the earth. I, I just can't imagine that God, all that God is, belongs to 0.06% of the world. That is so prideful, so insulting. I, I know that we as Mormon people like to quote the idea that, you know, we'll, we'll uh, fill the whole earth. But, I mean, I think that's never going to happen. It's just not. I think a better analogy and the only sustainable one for Mormons is the one that Jesus gives where he says, uh, you know, you're yeast. And he says a little bit of leaven, a little bit of yeast makes the whole loaf rise. To me, that's so much more accurate to what Mormons are. You know, I bake bread. um, Not as much as I used to. I do pizza every week. Rachel loves it. And it's delicious. And, uh, you know. My friends know it's good because they are invited to my house. You guys are, can be my friends too, but I mean, it's Corona and we don't have people over really. But 
My point is, is that I bake bread, pizza, and the percentage, there's literally percentages of how much yeast is put in the recipe. And it's like uh, less than 1%. And all you do is you just let that little bit of yeast grow for a long period of time, often in the refrigerator. And it, and it makes this lump of dough rise. And um, I think that's such a better, and, and by the way, that's where the flavor comes from. And otherwise it's just it's just flour and water and salt, you know? So all the, all the yeast that's fermenting and, and uh, the carbon dioxide it releases, that's where all the flavor comes from. I think that's a, a good analogy for what Mormons could be. Mormons aren't the filling the earth. Mormons are the little tiny things that are adding a contribution to the whole, or, or they can. The problem is though, is that Mormons, their, their pride in terms of like, we know God and we know everything about God and we'll always know everything about God more than anyone else. It, it is so damaging. There's actually a, an article written by Tad Callister. He's a former like general authority member of the, he was like the president of the, the church's Sunday school. And uh, he is so arrogant. <laughs> I'm so glad he's released. And, and after he's been released, he's just been putting out more and more and more stupid articles that are just so black and white in terms of their thinking. But in one of these articles he, he wrote uh, that was published in like the Deseret News in, at the end of the year in 2019, the article was titled, How the Church Ruins Its Members for Any Other Church, as if that's like something to be proud of. And at the key point in, in his article, he says, um, in truth, this church ruins its members for any other church because like this missionary that, I'll explain in a sec. They know too much. If people leave this church, they will usually end up traveling down one of two paths. Either they will become a church unto themselves because they will never find another church that has more truth than they already have, or they will head down the road of agnosticism, which means uh, saying, I, I don't know if there's a God, there's no evidence that there's a God, but I don't disbelieve in a God. Recognizing this, I asked the missionary, are you willing to give up all this doctrine you know to be true, to throw it all away because you have a few questions you can't answer. Now, there is so much that is just horribly wrong with that statement. It's, why are you so prideful and think that no other church has as much truth as we do? But but even, even if that is the case, it's not something to be proud of that when your members don't like what's happening, they can no longer, you know, fully believe in God. That, that says way more negative than it does positive. And all, all this is, is victim blaming, right? Where somebody leaves, it's like, well, you gave it all up. And to that, I would just make this point, And I think this is significant. Just because there are good things that you have learned from Mormonism does not mean that you owe Mormonism anything. That's number one. Just because it's been good for you in the past does not mean that you have to give something to Mormonism and the church, Mormon church in the future. Uh, my friend and I were talking, an analogy that seems to make sense is let's say you're in a relationship and, and you get you get married to your partner and that partner uh, is awesome and loving and you, you grow so much at the very beginning, the honeymoon stage is so fun and you know, a, a year in, you, you find out that you're having a baby and you have a baby and you just love this little baby so much. And then your partner starts to change and your partner starts to uh, 
grow distant or even abusive verbally or emotionally or physically or what, whatever, or all of the above. And you start thinking, I don't, I don't know if this is healthy for me. I don't know if this is safe for me. That's, that's normal, right? We would, we would, I mean, we meaning normal people. I think a lot of times Mormons would encourage people to stay, be like, no, just, just stay. Don't give up on them, which is super. I understand that marriage is a big deal, but my goodness, if someone's being abused, let, let them go and and no need for shame or judgment or fear. But anyway, let's just say though, that you're super grateful for this spouse and and the role that they've played in your life to this point. Awesome. Does that gratitude for all that you've experienced, all that you've learned, all the ways you've grown with this partner, does that mean that you need to remain with that partner? Again, I'm, I know plenty of conservative people, Mormon people in particular would say, yes, it does mean that. But I don't think that's a healthy thing. I think you can be grateful for someone and all that they've done for your past life while still saying, you know, I don't think this is good for my life at the moment and in the future. It also doesn't mean that if you say, hey, I'm going to separate myself from this partner that's been abusive and harmful, that you now hate your kid <laughs> that you've had with them. Well, you remind me of all this past, so this sucks and I'm, I'm no longer your, your mom or your dad. Well, that's not the case either. And you don't have to, um, you don't have to hate this person that you separate yourself from. You can, and, and we should never judge somebody for coping with the abuse and pain that they've experienced. You can surely hate them. We can't tell somebody to just get over it or to let it go or the anger is only hurting you or, or whatever. That person needs to heal on their own terms. But I, I think it's fundamental to know that you, number one, don't need to stay if you've been hurt and abused in the, in the past because there are other good things that have happened in the past. And number two, you don't have to toss out all the good. You can keep the good that you've, you've had and you've learned that's become a part of you and you can move forward. You can do both. For example, if I've learned things from Mormonism that have benefited my life, which I have certainly, which I have, I've learned about, um, you know, the, the importance of education as one, I I don't think I would have one master's degree or a second master's degree, especially if, uh, if I was not LDS at any point, I don't think I would be as caring of a husband as I am. I don't think I would, um, be as, uh, compassionate as I am if it wasn't for Mormonism at one point in my life. However, two things. Number one, I also think that moving forward in a lot of ways, the church is actually harming my ability to love, to grow, to be an effective parent, to be an effective spouse, a kind, loving person. It hinders my ability to be kind towards queer people, towards people of other races. It hinders my ability to think outside the box. I, I, I don't think that my good experiences in the past necessarily mean that I have to 
remain Mormon, or at least Mormon in the way that I was previously. I don't think that's the truth at all. I also don't think that I need to throw out the good things that I've learned because if I choose not to go to church, that all of a sudden I've lost those good things, right? So I don't go to church and now I'm a terrible husband and I don't believe that education matters. Well, that, no, they're mine. I, they, are, they are now my truths. I may have learned them from what happened in Mormonism. I may have uh, been, they may have been brought to light from my time as a faithful seminary teacher. And for that, I can be grateful. But I can also be super angry at the bad things that have happened to me or super hurt by the bad things. Because people like to say, you're just angry as if that means all the critiques and all the criticism that comes is invalid because it's just based on hurt. But I also don't think that I need to be uh, 100% in. They're, they're my now, right? They're my truths. And so uh, this idea that you can't have any truth if you leave the church, it's ours, only us. You can only have truth if you're a faithful, active, current member of the LDS church. That's just not true. These things can be yours, uh, and they are yours. They become yours. They, they are your truths. And so I just, I think we need to be so much more compassionate, understanding, open, and, uh, and not take so much pride in the fact that people don't see a way <laughs> to believe really in God after, if they choose to walk away from Mormonism. That's not something to be proud of. We ruin churches for people. Well, Why? What about your religion does that to people? I don't think that's that's good. And so I also think it's it's okay to say you're agnostic. I don't think that's an evil thing. I, in fact, I think that's the most logical way to view the world and the things around you. I um, Agnostic doesn't say that there is no God. It says that you don't have proof that there's a God. And I know the Book of Mormon verses that say, you see the planets and the trees and all of these things, and they do witness that there's a creator. And to me, that can be evidence. I don't think we are forced to see that and say, there has to be a God. I think people can take that evidence and say, there could be a God based on this evidence. Here's some reasons for it. But the beauty of faith is you're not compelled to believe in God either way. You're not. There is no overriding proof that there is God, and there is no overriding proof that there isn't God. The best determination of what you believe is what you choose to believe. We as Mormon people love the phrase, I know, as if we, we know, like I'm, I'm driving right now, I see the sky, it's blue, I can say that I see with my own eyes and I know that the sky is blue because I'm seeing it happen. We Mormon people like to say in the same way we know that God lives. And now it, when pushed on this, I think Mormon people would say, well, I don't mean I see it with my eyes. I feel it. And what I feel with the Holy Ghost is deeper than anything I can see. And to that, I would say, is it possible that there are other explanations for what you feel? other than overwhelming evidence and proof that that's God? And the answer is yes. You can absolutely see, for one small example, 
and I won't make this super long. I joined the church, right, because I had a really special experience when I asked uh, if this was something I should be a part of. If this, I think the, the phrase was, uh, if I should join this church. And I had this feeling where I felt loved and accepted and warm when previously I had felt maybe lost or dark or what have you. And people will be like, how can you deny that? And my answer is, I'm not denying that in any way. That experience was real. I can't, I can't deny feeling what I felt. However, I don't think that experience necessarily means that God was speaking to me. I don't think it means that the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints is the only place for me to join. I also don't think it means that because I had that experience in the past that I need to cling to that and not move forward if my soul is expanding and growing and going elsewhere. In fact, I believe that's contrary to, to the, the things we learned from Joseph Smith, where he continues to search and grow and expand. And Mormonism is this expanding concept of uh, line upon line and precept upon precept. And what I feel is this sense of Mormonism saying, nope, you can't grow past us. You can't grow bigger than us. We are as big as, as anything. We're as big as it gets. If you want God, we have God, all of it. We have contained an all-knowing, all-loving, omnipotent being in our religion. We have it all. And I, I just don't feel like that's healthy or accurate or necessary. And so I, looking back, I do believe that there is some moment of something special that happened there, but I, I don't, I can't say that that was God. I could say that it's God. I mean, right. I could, I could say, yes, that's God. And I have, and many times in my life, I have said that is God that was speaking to me and it very well could be, but there's no proof that it was God. It could also very well be that what I was feeling was a need for acceptance as I've done so much therapy work for, for the pains and wounds in my life, I've come to realize that I was deeply in need of acceptance and love and belonging. And it very well could be that my conscious, subconscious, whatever was craving belonging and saw an opportunity for that in the Mormon church. So again, if you choose to ascribe that as being God, okay, but it's not mandatory. It's not compelled upon you to believe that that's God. It's one possible answer among many. And if someone chooses to believe that's not God, you can't shame them and say that they're wrong or that they've lost their faith or the light is gone or what have you. And so I, I, I think, I hope this is making sense. Mormonism does not contain an all-knowing, all-seeing, all-loving being. I would also say that God very well could be a white man with a beard. It's possible. It seems highly unlikely that God is a white Utah with a long white beard. It just feels wrong to me. If anything, God to me is a dark-skinned Middle Eastern person. But the God that I personally prefer, especially if as Mormon people we believe in a mother in heaven... The God that I personally prefer is a black, big, loving black woman, Southern black woman. My goodness, man. I can think of no more holy image and no more holy sound than the hearty, full laugh 
of a big Southern black woman. I, I truly believe that those sweet, loving black women that I met in North Carolina who served us the most delicious food with so much love and laughed and laughed and were just so good and kind, that is the closest to God that I think I've, ex- I've seen in this life. I think the closest I've been to feeling God is, is in the laughter of Remy, my son. I mean, there's nothing that has been more joyful than that. I remember being at, um, there's this cupcake place in LA where we're, where me and my wife are from. And we went there and we were just going to pick up some cupcakes. And there's this, uh, this black woman who was just so sweet behind us. She had her little granddaughter with her. And I said, Hey, how you doing? She's like, Hey baby, how are you? Just the most wonderful. Oh, I just love it. I'm like, Oh, I'm doing so good. What brings you here? Man, and she says, this This is, to me, this is the most God moment in the world. She says, man, it's my granddaughter's birthday, and I fucked up. <laughs> I got her the wrong cake, man. So I'm here to get her a cupcake. <laughs> she laughs. She just has this big old hearty laugh. I said, that, I mean, I love that. She's like, yeah, I love my granddaughter. I'd do anything to spoil her. She's like, you have any kids? I said, yeah, we have a little baby. And I showed her a picture of Remy, who was only a couple months old at the time. And she's like, that is a cute baby. Oh, my. And I just laugh. And we're talking for a bit. And we get our cupcakes and leave. And, you know, she says, of course, she says, all right, you have a blessed day now, baby. We love you. I'm like, okay. I love you, too. And uh, to me, that is the closest to God that I've I've seen. You know, a God who swears and says the F word and has a big hearty laugh and willing to make fun of herself for messing up. And anyway, what I'm saying is um, it's not a good thing to believe that we ruin churches for other people. It's a terrible thing to believe that we found all that God is in Mormonism. You, You literally become damned right? Stifled, stopped from progressing. I really think that saying I know without honestly saying, uh, but there's so much I don't know, or I still have things I don't know, or I, I need to know more. I think that is one of the most damning and harmful things to members of the, of the Mormon church. It stops them from progressing. We have all that we need. The church has been restored. What else do we need? Well, you need to keep learning about God from Muslim people, from people in India, from black women in North Carolina, from queer people, right? We need to learn about God from feminists. We need to learn about God from agnostics. And so to claim that we have already had all the God that we need, it is, it is almost mirroring exactly what the Book of Mormon teaches. That we as Mormon people think is about the world. When it says a Bible, a Bible, we have a Bible and we have no more need for a Bible. I truly believe, first off, who's reading the Book of Mormon other than Mormons? How do we always apply things to the world that isn't reading the Book of Mormon? Mormons are reading the Book of Mormon. So if anything's in the Book of Mormon, just acknowledge that it's written to Mormon people. That's who it's about and who it's for. So when it says a Bible, a Bible, we have a Bible and we need no more Bible. That is talking about Mormon people saying, we have the Book of Mormon, we have prophets, we have no more need for any more truth, we have it all. And so we need to be so much better at accepting that God is so much bigger than we think God is.
I like the idea of using pronouns for God. Uh, the idea of they. God is a they. It's, it's a plural. Mother and father. Elohim, as we teach the name for God, is plural. Okay? Mother and father. Uh, so they would be a good one. God itself could be an accurate pronoun for God. That there is no other pronoun that describes God. Or at my very favorite is her or she. God as a woman would be so much different and so much better than the God we have that's a man and vengeful and angry and all of that. We'll do a lesson, not a lesson, it's like seminary. We'll do a, a podcast here shortly about understanding God and how the Bible teaches about men and their experiences with the divine that they call God, that God is really just created in their own image, which is often a vengeful tribalistic man. And so that's what we get in the Bible. That's what we get in the Book of Mormon. Imagine if the Bible and, Bo- or, and the Book of Mormon were written from the perspective of a woman. Imagine if the Bible and the Book of Mormon were written from the perspective of someone who is largely marginalized in society. I, I know that, that Jews historically have been you know, marginalized, which is why the Old Testament is so compelling <laughs> and we don't ever read it. It's a, it's a book about the bias from the bottom. And so I, uh, I just wanted to maybe point that out and I, I'll finish with maybe just a couple of thoughts. The first one is a book that has changed my life, especially with where I'm at now, more than any other book is called Tattoos on the Heart, written by uh, Father Greg Boyle. He's a Jesuit priest from Los Angeles, where I'm from, and he uh, operates a the largest gang rehabilitation uh, center in the world. It's called Homeboy Industries. <laughs> they bake bread and do wonderful things like that. And uh, his whole first book, Tattoos on the Heart, starts with this premise. He says, God can get tiny if we're not careful. And then he tells story after story after story about finding God in gang members, people who were guilty of murder and violence and terrible things. Greg talks about finding God in these homies, he calls them. And I can think of nothing that has influenced the trajectory that I'm on more than that, where I believe that the core of every person is good, that the reasons they inflict pain on people is because they themselves have had pain inflicted on them. And ultimately that if I want to find God, I find God on the margins. The other thought, I I mentioned this in the podcast, I believe, on prophets, but Terrell and Fiona Givens write about believing in God uh, is not something you have to do just because God is God. The only, in fact, let me me stop and read this part from their book, um, The God Who Weeps. They say, it seems, it has seemed self-evident to millions as it was to Augustine himself, that if God is the author of the universe and all who people it, his status as our rightful Lord and sovereign is beyond any possible doubt. We have no right to question him, his nature, or his purposes. But sovereigns, or rulers, free rulers, like fathers, can have rightful authority to govern or direct us with no claim whatsoever on our love, let alone 
our adoration. We cannot prove God exists and certainly cannot prove that any God who exists is kind and merciful rather than cruel or indifferent. But we can say that only the first type of God is the one we would want to worship. We reject out of hand any suggestion that mere cosmic authorship or raw power should itself call forth our loyalty or devotion. And so I just maybe want to finish this segment. Maybe I'll pick something back up, but I wanted to get it out. Lunchtime's up. I just wanted to say that Mormons do not own God. That if you find yourself outgrowing the good that Mormonism has done, you don't have to throw away all the good that you have learned, but you also don't have to remain if you feel yourself expanding and growing. In fact, there was a talk and that was given by a, a 70 named Elder Pullman, Ronald Pullman, where he said basically that the purpose of the church was to help people outgrow it. Interestingly, and this is a podcast for a, a different time, or maybe I'll just link to it, but interestingly, the, the general authorities of the church, the leaders of the church didn't like that. They actually made him re-record it. But I truly believe that he was right, that the purpose of the church is to help you outgrow it. The church's framework, it's not the building, the structure itself. If you've ever seen La Sagrada Familia in, in Barcelona, Spain, or if you've ever heard of it, that building is built by Gaudí, and it still hasn't been finished. It's been hundreds of years in the making. <laughs> and the scaffolding that's used to support it has remained. But the reality is, here in the next few years, they will remove the scaffolding and the building will, will stand. And I truly believe that if the scaffolding of Mormonism has served its purpose for you and the building that you, you crave is now standing, that it's time to let the scaffolding go and let the building shine. Do whatever with, do whatever, do with that information, whatever you please. But the truth is, is that these truths, once they become a part of you, they are yours. And they're up to you to define, not for any other organization or entity to tell you what they mean. And please go out and buy and read Tattoos on the Heart. Listen to it. Greg Boyle himself narrates it. and It's beautiful. God is so much greater. The God we have is so much greater than the God we think we have. And maybe just to finish, I'll say, um, what do I believe about God? I, I, I don't know. I, like I said, there's no proof in God. There's certainly evidence that you can uh, apply to a belief in God. I think the greatest summation of what I feel is that I hope that God is real. I hope that when we die, we see heavenly parents. I hope that there is a, a divine purpose for all of this. I hope that those things are real, but I have no proof. And so I live my life as if God weren't real. I cherish every moment that I have, the painful and the good, or I, I strive to cherish those moments. I strive to live fully into the pain of humanity with my, recently my grandmother finding out some terrible health news or even as small as the loss of our one of my childhood pets. 
I, I feel, I try to feel the depths of that. That is life. I try to feel the highs. It makes the highs of life so much better when you can fully embrace the bad without spiritually bypassing it by saying, oh, it'll be better in the end. Well, I won't, it's, I need to make it better now. I believe that Mormonism very well could create heaven on earth or could be working to create heaven on earth now and not wait for Jesus to come before things get fixed with black and brown bodies and people and with queer people. And, and I believe it's our job to have, take this vision, the ideal that heaven creates and build it now. And it very well might be that that heaven is real. And for that, I would be so ecstatic to know that I could live forever with my loved ones and friends and family. And if it's not real, then I do not want to waste a single moment of this life that I have. And so that's where I'm at in my own belief. I believe that God is love. And so for me, if I use the term God, I'm using it as a replacement for uh, love, right? In fact, God himself, at least based in what scripture teaches, God is love. They're synonyms. So if you say love, you're saying God. And if you're saying God, you're saying love. I believe that um, God is this thing that connects all of humanity into something greater. And I believe that God is a a passionate or a a powerful idea for the future that can, can change lives. And so I'm still defining what God is and to Callister's point, I guess I've become agnostic, but I don't think that's evil. I, I think my declaration of faith is that I hope that there is a God. And to that point, I say I'm still faithful. And so anyway, I'll wrap this up and I appreciate you listening. Hey everybody, thanks for listening. Um, this is a, a beautiful topic in my mind and, and there's a lot that we could continue to talk about, uh, especially today. If there's anything that you hope I would focus on maybe more in the future, uh, on this subject or anything that stood out to you, I'd love if you went over to my Instagram and sent me a message. Maybe I'll do some, some polls on this one or a quote or who knows, but this is something I'd really love to have the conversation, uh, talking about definitely subscribe if you haven't already, or, and especially share it with a friend, this would be a good one for people that are feeling like there's no one who really understands where they're at. Um, I I hope that, uh, that people feel seen from this and know that, that there's a lot of good, um, still happening in their lives. Thanks for listening.